we had found out later on that like the first few rows were set on fire and chairs were broke, broken and, and pieces of the stage were broken and, and nearby businesses, the windows were broken in. And I mean, it was, it was a full out riot. It was scary. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. You know, if this past year has been anything, it has been a time of transformation. Things are opening up again, people are getting excited, and one new thing that I'm excited about is opening the Jamila Ford Voice Studio. I've been teaching singing online and my students range from uber-talented teenagers prepping for a singing audition, novice adult singers who've always wanted to take lessons and explore their instrument, to pro singers who simply wanna get ready for that audition or that performance or that studio session and just wanna tweak a few things with that particular song. I know how it goes and I love to help. Right now, I have a few slots open for free 20-minute vocal assessments. And if this sounds like you, I would love to chat with you about your singing goals. Visit www.jamilafordvoicestudio.com forward slash free vocal assessment to schedule your free 20-minute appointment now. And let's get started. Guys, I've mentioned to you how super impressed I've been with the ease of my singing voice since I started using the Vocal Mist Nebulizer. I've been doing online shows and at first I was having a little bit of difficulty during my rehearsals. Quarantine had left my voice a little out of shape. I started to use the Vocal Mist Nebulizer as part of my vocal health routine and I have to say the smoothness, facility, and tone that I like to hear in my voice is back. I've been having some awesome shows and have been so happy with how my voice sounds and feels. The Vocal Mist is perfect for singers of all levels, public speakers, teachers, and all professional voice users. Vocal Mist is a portable tool for getting rid of dry throat, alleviating allergies, and helping your voice stay in high performance shape. The specialized hydration formula is designed to help your voice feel great and minimize the chance of vocal injury by matching what your body already does internally. Vocal Mist Hydration Formula helps give your instrument a boost without any artificial additives. It helps take the pressure off the voice, meaning less vocal fatigue. It's travel friendly and USB rechargeable. Visit myvocalmist.com and use code WORKINGSINGER2020 at checkout to get $10 off your first order. That's all one word, WORKINGSINGER2020. All right, welcome, 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 you guys. I'm so happy to be back this week. I was having some serious technical difficulties. I had no laptop to work with, and so I couldn't release an episode last week. So I am excited to have my laptop back, and therefore my life is back. Um, no, I'm just actually, I think I'm, I may be more attached to my cell phone, obviously, because it's clearly more portable than I am to my laptop. But I, there are a lot of things I do on my laptop, and so I need it. Um, 
and wasn't able to release last week. So how are you? I hope you're doing well. It looks like things are about to open up again, um, little by little. So that's exciting. And uh, I got my first round of vaccinations and I get my next one in two weeks. So um, I'm excited about that. My husband had gotten his. He's a teacher. So he got both rounds already. And I think I was having a little bit of uh, envy <laughs> with it. Also, you know, I, I just want some level of, of protection. But I was saying to him that I, I, I see myself still incorporating the mask into my daily life because um, I feel like there are other diseases that, uh, and there are, it's not just my feelings. Um, you know, there's other things we can get, colds and, and the flu and, and all of that. And that can, uh, that has ended work for me um, over the years, you know, getting sick like that. And I haven't really gotten sick at all, um, knock on wood, <laughs> this whole time. I, and I think I attribute that to, um, obviously, quarantining, but, you know, wearing a mask out and really being on top of hand washing and wearing gloves. And I was thinking about the fact that, you know, you go to a store and like how many times has one item been handled? You know, people pick things up, they examine them, they put them back. Who even knows how, you know? So um, I think gloves and a mask are going to be a part of my re regular routine from now on. Um, so there's that. There is, um, oh, my, my laptop, which is working just way better. I got things replaced in it. Um, the hard drive was replaced. Uh, the, more RAM was added. And um, new battery. And, and it's like a 10-year-old laptop. I was thinking I was, you know, just going to have to get another one. So I was ready to do that. Um, but, um, you know, it kept kind of dying on me <clears throat> at freezing, I should say, but I, I think it was on the verge of dying. And then I took it to this person prepared to be told that, uh, this was the last leg of the tour. Um, I've had this laptop on tour with me. It's gone around the world with me. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, we got all these things replaced and it's working even better than, I think parts and things are more advanced than they were when I even bought this thing, you know? Um, and I was only expecting to keep it like one more year, but we replaced all these things on it and I may just, you know, keep it longer than that or just keep it one more year and give it to my husband and get another, another one for me. But, um, you know, so I'm kind of fine with mine. It's, it's more than getting me by and it's working really fantastic. Now, if you're in the LA area, um, I went to New World Mac in Burbank and there's a guy there named Andy and he's wonderful he's really on top of it and he had it for a week because we had to wait for parts to come in um, and then there was some kind of delay with with uh, one of them um, but as soon as he received parts you know he let me know and he put them in right away and the day it was ready you know uh, I came 15 minutes before he closed and he was just really wonderful so um yeah, I'm, it's like new. It's better than new, so I'm really happy with it. I am really excited about my guest today. Um, my guest today. <laughs> I'm trying to enunciate. Uh, Roberta Freeman, wonderful human being from Brooklyn. 
has sung with Guns N' Roses. She toured with them for two years, uh, worked with Joe Cocker, shared the stage with Grace Jones and Deborah Harry, and just has some really wonderful stories um, and kind of just graduated from high school and, you know, just took off running. Oh, Pink Floyd was like the first, uh, you know, her first big gig. You know, she'd been doing local stuff in uh, in New York. And uh, so her Pink Floyd story is really interesting. Just a really um, rich and fascinating background. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy her stories. Without further ado, Roberta Freeman. Roberta, welcome. I am so excited that you're here. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. I am happy you are here. So let's get right into it. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I um, I originally came from uh, New York. I was born in Brooklyn and um, I stayed there for the first 27 years of my life. And then I mm. transplanted over to LA. Mm. And was your family musical? Um. Yes and no, not like professionally. Um, my mother, both my mother and father had beautiful singing voices mm. and my mother could whistle like nobody's business. It was crazy. And uh -oh. she would like do this elaborate whistling to opera and folk music and like, it was crazy. And my huh. father had a great voice too. So I guess um, maybe um, some of that talent trickled down to me but they they weren't professional at all they just did mm. it for fun yeah and what was life like kind of growing up mm -hmm. well um as a as a small child it well it was kind of a mix because in my home uh there was a lot of there was a lot of music and you know and and um uh i felt like very safe in my in my environment and um i was uh inspired by music at a very early age um my sister is six years older than me so she brought a lot of music into the house she um gave me my love for like rock and roll you know mm -hmm. and my parents gave me the love of jazz and blues and outside the house growing up it was a completely different situation i was um I felt very much alone because, you know, I, I grew up in a, a rough area in Brooklyn. And um, at the time, as far as I knew, I was the only interracial child on the, on the face of the planet besides my sister. Mm. So that was, that was a, a little, a little rough growing up with, um, you know, that constant um, animosity towards me and my sister. Uh, mm. There was a lot of hostility, um, but, by the time I got to high school, I realized that I wasn't the only one, you know, mm. I had uh, actually, we did have one friend. We had, a, my mother had a friend who was German and she had uh, three children with her, with her husband who was black. And mm. so they were the only, only other interracial kids that I had ever had any interaction with. Mm. And, but by the time I got to high school, I, I, I uh, met my first bluish person <laughs> Blue is black and Jewish, right? Oh, nice. I never heard that. That's good. So I, I, I met my first bluish, bluish person and I was thrilled, you know, yeah. um, 
And um, see, as I as I speak about my childhood, the Brooklyn accent starts coming out. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love it. <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting childhood, and and um, you know, um, there was a lot of music. There was a lot of music. There was uh, there was when I was in school, uh, in grade school, I was always in the plays and. You know, by the time I was in high school, I was always in, involved in musicals and house bands and started bands and, mm. and singing and uh, couldn't shut me up. Mm. <laughs> Is that when you decide, or when did you decide that you kind of wanted to pursue it professionally? Oh my God, this is the second I, I came out of my mom's womb, the doctor smacked my butt and I went, ah! <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I mean, I oh, I always kind of knew that that was it was there was no question about it. I I started um, when I can't remember how old I was, but my father gave me a tape recorder when I was a kid. I was really really young, maybe five or six, and I would entertain myself for hours telling stories and singing and and uh, interviewing myself, <laughs> you know, uh, and just like, just, uh, yeah, just uh, experimenting with music, you know, mm. um, and that kind of changed my life. That was the beginning of, of me, of my life changing with, with music. That was the best present that anybody could ever give me. Mm. Yeah. So, so, you, so you graduate from high school and then what happens? Um, I graduated from high school. Um, I, I was thinking about going to college, but um, my father got really sick in my senior year. Uh, mm. He he got cancer and um, I was afraid that if I left, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the opportunity to spend you know, my last moments with him. Mm. Um, so I stayed close to home and I started getting professional gigs pretty much out of high school, you know, so, um, he he did he did pass when I was 18 mm. and by then I figured you know I'm I'm doing this so I might as well continue mm. and you know I started making money um singing background pretty much for for uh, a lot of local bands in New York I was singing places like uh the Cat Club and the Ritz and the China Club and you know like all those places so um, that's that's how it all began. So what was your first kind of uh, big pro gig? <laughs> <laughs> um, my, well, my big my first big pro gig was Pink Floyd. I was wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I it was it's yeah, it was really incredible. I was actually you know, I was gigging locally, you know, but I was still supporting myself by waitressing, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I was just, you know, kind of starting out and stuff. And I was on and off doing that and um, working with a lot of bands. And um, I had this uh, woman come in to the restaurant mm -hmm. and she would come into the restaurant on an, on a kind of pretty regular basis. And uh, we started a little friendship and she asked if I was a singer and I said yes and she said well I'm working on an album right now with Mal Rogers and the studio's right around the corner why don't you come to the studio and meet him and see we have a project in mind that we need a third girl uh, so why don't you come up to the studio and meet them and, and meet everyone and see if you're a good fit 
Mm. And I was, you know, halfway, well, more than, more than, <laughs> more than halfway, I was thinking, yeah, whatever, you know, I, I really, you know, I mean, come on, I'm from New York and everybody's kind of, you know, a little full of BS there. So um, I said, okay. So I brought my little demo tape with me and um, I went to the studio and I went up the two flights it was or whatever it was. And I knocked on the door and Nyla Rogers answered the door. And oh I was like, oh man, now I'm in trouble because I wasn't expecting him to be there. So I was all <laughs> nervous. So anyway, um, she listened to my, to my demo. I didn't want him to listen to it because I didn't, I didn't feel like it was good enough. And um, she, she you know, spoke with him and, and I met her sister. It was Lorelai and Durga McBroom. So you know, we ended up working a lot together over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we took pictures and I met a lot of really good musicians through his network there. And before I knew it, I think it was like, oh, maybe a week later, mm-hmm. I got a phone call that said, yeah, get on, you get ready. We're, we're going to Atlanta mm-hmm. and we're going to do the Omni. And, um, I was learning material on the plane and wow. yeah. And um, what album? Which, uh, which momentary lapse of reason? Okay, it was the momentary lapse of reason tour, and um, it was it was epic. You know, it was I've yeah. never seen anything like this. I had I'd never seen like a proper green room before, mm. and a, a proper writer. I think there was like sushi on the writer. <laughs> like it was, it was crazy, you know. And it, and we had you know makeup artists and wardrobe, you know, like it was proper, you know. So yeah. that was my that was the that was the gig that I c- compared everything else to. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, you know, of of course, you know, I I um, I was pinching myself on stage because I was so close to I was like 15 feet away from Gilmore and and I was just pinching myself the whole step of the way like oh my god I've you know it's like you I think a lot of singers have um a complex called oh what is it called um oh I can't think of it now but it's it's like a complex like I'm not good enough I don't deserve this like you know and um you know, I was, I was really like, okay, I'm going to wake up and this is going to be a dream. This is not really happening. Or they're going to discover that I can't really sing or something, you know, it's yes. like, you know, it was, it was really, um, you know, quite, uh, I was anxiety ridden over it, but, yeah. and, but I managed to get through it. And um, that was the beginning, you know, then the ball started rolling. So that was my, my first big, mm. big gig. Sorry, I went through a whole story. <laughs> no, that's that's why we're here. That's amazing. So you also worked with, uh, I mean, there's like a long list, but you also uh, worked with Guns N' Roses. And yeah. how, what was the stretch of time between Pink Floyd and, and Guns N' Roses? And how did that all come about? Um, it was, uh, let's see, Guns N' Roses was, I think, nine, started in 91. So like two or three years different, like between um, okay. those gigs. Um, after after uh, the Pink Floyd gig, I mean, I, I had like ended up working with Billy Idol and Lou Reed and like, you know, uh, Jerry Harrison. And so I, you know, I was, I was on kind of a steady roll 
And, yeah. and then um, I had worked with uh, Cinderella mm -hmm. and I was still in New York and um, Fred Corey, uh, Cinderella's drummer, um, was friends with Slash and Slash mentioned to him that, you know, they want that Axel wanted to bring females on the road and experiment with background singers and horn horn players. And so we were done with our tour and Fred was like, you should call Roberta. So mm -hmm. that's how that started. So I was still in LA. I mean, I was still in New York, but I was so confident by that mm. time that I figured, well, I'll just move out to LA. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I just moved yeah. out. I said, yeah. I'm just going to be in LA. You know, I'm going to be out there working with guns and stuff. I might as well just move out there. And that's, and I didn't really know I was getting the gig yet, you know? Wow. And um, then Slash called me. And we, we discussed it and I was like, okay, then I'm definitely moving. And I moved, I moved, but I, I wasn't hundred percent certain before I did the big move, but yeah, I had spoken to Slash uh, a couple of times, you know, after that. So I knew I was good. <laughs> yes. And what was working with them? Like, what was the, oh, it was, it was really, it was really interesting. And it was like, probably one of the biggest challenges of, mm -hmm. of my career because you know, Guns N' Roses were these bad boys, these rock and rollers, you know, and and um, they weren't used to working with women on the, you know, especially on the road. Um, I mean, we had a female masseuse, but, you know, that that's not the same thing. Um, they it was really Axel who wanted to experiment. He wanted female vocals. Mm -hmm. And he wanted a horn section, but he wanted the horn section to be female, I guess, you know, because it, it was rock and roll and he wanted like sexy girls on stage, you know. Yeah. So um, I think at that time, Motley Crue had was the first like heavy metal band to have uh, background singers. And then, you know, with Cinderella that followed suit. And mm -hmm. and I think Guns N' Roses really was the third heavy metal like hard rock band that had uh background singers so you know we were met uh with a lot of i think the hardcore fans didn't appreciate it um they they felt like it kind of softened the sound mm. or uh made it too poppy or something Right. Um, but a lot of people did appreciate it. And I think the person who appreciated it the most was Axel. He was, he was the kindest, you know, mm. but I don't think at the time the guys in the band were really thrilled about it, you know? Mm. Um, so I had to kind of earn my keep with them, mm. you know? So that was a challenge. It was a challenge. Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes people weren't the nicest to us, but I mean, like I've done a lot of rock and roll tours and, and I've got a pretty thick skin and I'm from New York, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it all worked out. And, um, I think at, by the end, you know, it, it, it was, it was, you know, we had done, we had done what we came there to do. Yeah. And I feel like I did a really good job doing that. I did all the arrangements for the vocals, I, I went in totally cold, you know, I, I was talking to Slash and I said, okay, so do you have anything in mind for, you know, any vocal parts? And, and he said, J just do whatever, whatever you want. And mm. I said, well, how about Axel? 
because Axel's really particular and there was no communication with Axel. Hmm. And um, he was like, yeah, just do, just do it if you want. I'm sure Axel's gonna love it. And so I was really nervous because, um, you know, I was doing all these arrangements mm-hmm. and I, and I was, I, I hired the other woman to do the gig, Tracy Amos. So I didn't know if Axel was going to like her or me at this point, mm. you know, cause I had only talked to Slash over the phone and then we started rehearsals and Axel wasn't at the rehearsals. So I never got to meet Axel until the night, the first night of the show. And oh that's gosh. when I, I, I came in and I brought Tracy in and I, 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 you know, I sang him the parts that we were going to sing. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and that was not the response I expected, but I was really happy. Yeah. And um, he was really happy with us, you know, throughout the, the time that we were on the road with them. So it, I guess it worked out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was and how long, how long were you on the road with them? Was it? Was it two? Oh, I can't. I don't remember how long that tour was. It was a, a year and a half or two years, something like that. It was long. It was really long. I was, I was, I can't remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at my notes actually. It says 194 shows and 21 countries. I think you said in, in like one, uh-huh. which is like, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were, you know, we were out there. We were out there. Yeah, Did was, you witness yeah. riots before? I heard there were like riots before shows sometimes. That was a wild band. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. it's no, you know, it, it, it's no surprise or, or, you know, <laughs> um, secret that Axel kind of had a temper back then. And mm. um, funny enough, he was always a gentleman to me. Always. Yeah. I mean, he never even swore in front of me. He was so sweet you know and and to this day i'm really thankful you know that he he treated he treated me personally very well you know so um you know i just i just want people to know that because he you know he has a reputation you know right um he was really he went out of his way to be nice to me and you know that made all the difference in the world you know when i was on tour with him so um but yeah uh that was my first riot (laughs) <laughs> it was interesting um i can't remember the details you know it was a really long time ago yeah. um but something happened something was wrong i don't know if he he had problems with his in or whatever i don't know what it was um his microphone or something i don't so know so wait was, were you on stage and yeah uh, like we were like a- we had been on stage like maybe 15 minutes you know uh-huh. And um, Axel was not happy about something and he threw his mic down and he walked off the stage and everybody, and I'm talking everybody, Slash included, Duff included, Matt, we're all looking at each other like, uh, is he going to come back? You know, and we all knew because there were riots prior to that, that I, this was my first riot, um, mm-hmm. you know, we all knew that if he didn't come back, there was going to be a riot. And that's when we had to do the sprint to get out of there because we were obviously in danger, you know? Like by the audience, obviously, like an upset audience that he, mad that he left. Right. So we decided to get the heck out of there because (laughs) he wasn't coming back. And the band was, were able to get into limos and uh, me and the girls got left behind 
and yeah, yeah, we got left behind. And um, I think it was just, it was this crazy shuffle to get people out, well, mainly Axel and, you know, the core band. And they, they got in the first one. And I guess they thought that we had gotten, you know, you know, transportation back safely to the hotel. And we, yeah. it, because of the time frame, it happened so fast, we were trapped. So we were trapped at the gig and we could hear, like we were backstage and we could hear people going crazy. I mean, it was so frightening. And what then, city were you in? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That's probably too, yeah, it's too long ago. <laughs> was it Montreal? Like, I mean, it's not your own city, obviously. So yeah, you're like, you don't know where you are. You don't know, it, like. Well, I don't know if it was Montreal or Kansas or, Oh, I can't even. I, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we had found out later on that like the first few rows were set on fire, and yeah, and chairs were bro <laughs> broken, and and pieces of the stage were broken, and wow. and nearby businesses, the windows were broken in, and I mean, it was it was a out riot it was scary oh, so we my. were you know we were forced to stay there it felt like hours i don't remember it i mean this was like years ago you know what i'm saying <laughs> so um you know oh my uh, yeah. goodness alzheimer's is kicking in um, <laughs> but uh yeah it, it was it was a, a pretty scary experience i really felt mm. like um that that could be it for me you know, this is how mm -hmm. I'm going to die. And that wasn't the first time I felt like that with, with that band. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we, had, we had crazy uh, plane rides and flights and oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was, it was a crazy time for me. It, uh, like I saw, you know, I, I traveled to places for the first time with that band, you know, mm. um, that was the first time I ever went to South America. But then again, you know, that was also the first time I saw machine guns, you know, within a, a two feet of my face. So, you know, it, it was all, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time. We were in, um, we were in uh, Bogota. And I think the night, the night after we left, there was a major coup. <laughs> oh <laughs> like my God. Right immediately oh God. after we left. It was, I have never experienced anything like this. And I don't, I don't think I will, you know, in my lifetime. I think that was like the height of crazy rock and roll. And mm. those were the, the bad, I think the only band that could ever probably beat them is like the Stones or something in yeah. that department, you know, or maybe yeah. Led Zeppelin, I don't know. But, you know, that's going back. Bands don't do this. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> they don't go through this anymore. <laughs> At least yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> Not that I, I've experienced. But yeah, yeah, I haven't, crazy. I haven't heard about the theater being set on fire in quite some time. <laughs> but it wasn't a theater; it was an or arena, just... you know. Oh, right. You know, because of course, fun. right. Absolutely. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I can't remember how big the, the arena was, but it had to be at least twenty thousand or somewhere around there, you know. Oh my gosh. And people were going crazy. There, there were lawsuits after that, you know. So, yeah. It wow. Insane. <laughs> I lived through it. I'm here. That's amazing. 
<laughs> That's truly amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just shifting gears a little bit, um, I know that, you know, recently we, we lost Mary Wilson and mm -hmm. I know that you worked with her pretty extensively. Mm -hmm. um, please tell us about, you know, the kind of work that you did with her and what your relationship was like. Yeah. Um, well, um, when I was hired, she wanted, you know, she, she was billed as Mary Wilson and the Supremes, mm -hmm. you know, so she, we, I was hired as a Supreme. And, you know, wow. when I, when I first got hired, I felt like it's, that's the wording that she's using, but I'm just going to be, you know, this little hired gun and, you know, be treated like, you know, <laughs> the lowly background singer. Like I have been in so many situations, other situations. And um, it was, it was amazing. It really was an amazing experience because she, you know, not only did she travel, she really treated her ladies like in the most highest, you know, status. Like we, mm -hmm. we all got treated really well. I remember so many times walking into my hotel room and having gift baskets, get baskets in my room waiting for me and, mm. you know, little notes from the promoters and stuff. And, you know, we were, we were just treated so very well, you know? Um, and, you know, she, she was, she was also ready to roll up her, her sleeves and, you know, travel with us. There were so many like early morning calls and I mean, early morning calls, like, you know, in the lobby at 4 30 a.m you know and mm. she was right there with us you know she was she you know she traveled with us she didn't she didn't need any like special requirements you know she was right there with us in the trenches so i really do appreciate that and um she was special she she felt like because she went through the whole barry gordy motown training you know uh and there was like a whole like etiquette school that they went to I, right. She didn't go as far as doing that with us, but she did like constantly correct us and teach us. And you need to sit up straight and cross your legs and this and that. And like, she was always, she was always kind of like this, kind of like my mom, you know, mm. it got to the point where I was like, mom, leave me alone. You know, <laughs> she really, she really was like my, my mother on the road. You know, uh, she, she was very concerned about me. I remember I had some health issues and, she she wanted me to go to her doctor and you know she mm. was just she was really just really very caring and generous um mm. and um yeah it, it was it was really shocking to hear that she had passed because mm. um she was so healthy you know i was the one who was always catching a cold you know getting sick and she'd be like what's wrong with you why are you always sick what mm. you know what's wrong like we'd be in the bitter cold and she would never get sick ever mm. now i don't think in the time that i was with her i don't i don't think i've ever seen her get sick once mm. and you know she was always kind of you know messing with me about getting sick all the time <laughs> and um yeah she was just she was she was so vivacious so full of life mm. so so energetic you know when those early, early morning calls you know traipsing through the airport she was like come on everybody come on what, what's wrong with you slow pokes come on like she was amazing yeah. you know mm. so yeah she was and she was extremely beautiful it was insane i remember mm. one morning um 
I said, gosh, you must wake up so early. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you must wake up so early so you could get your face beat, <laughs> right? <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? I'm not wearing any makeup. And I said, yes, you are. She goes, I'm not wearing any makeup. And I like leaned into her and I touched her face and I went like that and I went, oh my God, you're not wearing any makeup. <laughs> like she was that beautiful all the time. Wow. It was insane. Yeah, she was incredible. What did people you... that she chose was, you know, to surround her were incredible. I, I bet. I mean, yeah. you, must, you must have the highest standards as a Supreme, you yeah. know, yeah. it says so much. Yeah. Yeah. She had really stellar musicians and um, the woman I worked with, uh, Karen Newman, was, was fantastic. And I learned a lot from Karen, too, because Karen had been there previously before I was. So she learned a lot from Mary and she like kind of passed it on to me. So she mm. taught me how to beat my face in five minutes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I don't do. But if I had to, I, I, I know how, you know, and, you know, just just little things. Um, just Mary really taught me how appreciative she was of all the fans and, uh, you know, how important it was to to put on as an amazing show no matter mm. where you were, no matter who mm. you were performing for, mm. if it was a little tiny club with three people in them, which it never was, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, she, she always gave her all, you know, it was always the gowns and the capes and the boas and the makeup and the this and that. And it was like full on show, no matter where we were and mm. who were we playing for. And, it, you know, it was a, a, a great respect for, for her, for her fans. Mm. It meant a lot to her. So I learned a lot from her. That's amazing. That's really learning from the best. I mean, from a, su yeah. a supreme. A supreme, I, a real, like yeah. she played for royalty, you know? <laughs> so was, what yeah. were some of the most, like, do you have a favorite uh, number or, or song from doing those shows with her? Well, I really, really loved uh, doing Stop because, Stop in the name of because it was, yeah. you know, such an iconic song. And yeah. also she, to show how much she loved her audience, uh, she, would, she would invite the audience up at this time in the set when we did Stop. Yeah. And she would let them sing on the microphones and, and she would do the little dance with them and show them the choreography and, and people would be up there. And she, and she said this little shtick before, before um, she started the song. She said, well, when I was a little girl and I would, I would be in, in front of the mirror with my hairbrush, you know, yeah. singing. And now I'm giving you the opportunity to do that. So I want you to come up and, and uh. sing with me. And, and people would get up there and you could tell how blown away it, they were. And it's funny because I had for, like, you know, you have friends come to your gigs, you know, throughout, you know, the years and, and it was a while ago. And so after she passed, I got a lot of like little texts and messages from people who I, I had invited to the show that came up on stage with her. And they said, oh, I'll never forget that. That was like such an important moment of my uh, life. And she was so amazing for doing that. And it yeah. really meant a lot to people. And so she, you know, she touched a lot of people's hearts. Uh, it was really amazing. That's yeah. lovely. How was it touring with, uh, with Joe Cocker? I know you worked with him. And did you tour, did you work with him the same time uh, 
Laura Jane. I know she's worked with him too. No, no, no. Okay. Um, I was, I, I was with him for a, a short while. It was a couple of months, I think. Um, but it was, it was, uh, <laughs> I, the funny thing was right before I was supposed to be a sub. Okay. So I was subbing for Jenny Douglas and, um, I got the call and to, you know, learn the show in, I think she said, oh, you're going to go out next week. And I was like, okay, I'll learn the 30 songs in the set, you know? So, you know, that was, wow. I did that. And, um, right. I don't know why I did this, but right before I left, I wanted to dye my hair blonde and <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of hair. <laughs> you can see I have a lot of hair and it, it didn't turn out well. So I ended up having to pretty much go bald. I cut all my hair off and I had like this much hair. Oh, no. I, it was just, it was fried. There was no way that I could save my hair. So I went and I just sheared it off and I dyed it black, you know, cause I was done with the, with the blonde <laughs> idea. <laughs> and um, I went out there and I thought I was going to get fired because of the way I looked. Cause I didn't look like my pictures and he was expecting a certain thing. And I bought wigs with me and everything, but he was like, no, no, I like it. So I just, I never wore a wig on that gig, which was, I think was the first gig that I didn't wear a wig on or a ball wow. or anything. And um, yeah, he was, he was really amazing to work with, you know, such an incredibly humble man and, and extremely graceful. You know, I didn't expect him to be so graceful. Like he kind of tippy toed around. He was just really gentle and, and humble and, and, uh, you know, I had, I had heard stories from the past of how he was, um, mm -hmm. with the mad dogs and, and he was totally not that person, you know, he was very, very classy and, and just, he, he, he treated everyone with a great amount of respect, every, mm. every single band member. And, you know, that really makes a difference, you know, and, um, he was just, he was just really, I, I can't say enough about him that, you know, he was just wonderful. Yeah. Very sweet man. Very sweet man. It was really sad to see him go as well. Mm. Yeah. So we've lost a lot of people, a lot of greats. You've worked with so many like greats, you know, really just, and so they've been so different. You know, I've, I've got like, uh, there's Pink Floyd and Guns N' Roses, Elton John, the Bee Gees, Grace Jones. What did you do with Grace Jones? What was- Oh, I worked, I did, <laughs> I, I performed with Grace Jones and Deborah Harry and, uh, well, it's a whole story. Okay, so I was going to do uh, uh, this benefit that Paul Simon was having at Madison Square Garden and um, I was actually performing with Nile Rogers, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing We Are Family and all that. And it, it was a gig that I, me and Lorelai did together. And uh, so we were all, I think it was at SIR in New York and we were all rehearsing and, you know, we were on a schedule. So Lou Reed was right after we were. And mm -hmm. so we were still kind of sticking around and Lou Reed uh, wanted Deborah Harry and Grace Jones to back him up doing Take a Walk on the Wild Side. Mm. 
and they didn't show up to rehearsal and he was waiting around for them and waiting around for them and the more he waited around for them the more he was saying you want to stick around to me and Lorelai and then finally he said do you mind you know just sitting in for them yeah wow and um so we were like absolutely you know and because we worked with each other so often we you know we had our own little choreography going and we you know we work really well together we sounded great together and we were doing our (laughs) do-to-dos and he kept looking back at us you know and then when we were done he said yeah you you guys sound amazing you want to do the show and you know we were I was like, of course, you know, but what about Debbie and Grace? And he says, well, if they do show up for the show, you could sing with them. (laughs) So I was like, okay, so that's what happens. And um, I, I, you know, ended up doing the show with, with Grace and Debbie and Grace was so incredible. She was so sweet. And (laughs) I remember she, she said, oh, so you're doing two songs? tonight you know like two two separate sets and and I said yeah and she said well what are you wearing for for your second second set don't you have a a a a change of of uh wardrobe and I said no I'm just gonna wear this and I had like this cute little dress and I thought I looked cute you know but uh she said no you can't go on stage twice in the same thing girl you can't do that (laughs) and I said well I have no choice that's this is all I have and she said, well, you need some." And she pulls out this dress and she's like, here, wear this. And I said, no. You know? And she was like, yeah, you, need, you need to change, please. Oh, wear it. wow. So she gave me, you know, her amazing, beautiful dress to wear. She like, Did she let you keep it or? No. <laughs> and I wasn't brazen enough to ask her, you know, I was like, oh, here, have it back. Like, I don't want it. I don't want to mess it up. You know, like here. Um, but yeah, I, I was able to wear her dress and like, I will never forget. Oh, that wow. And, that is you know, so Grace cool. Jones looks so kind of hard and scary looking like she just beat you up, you know, and she, <laughs> she was just yeah. like, sweet and she's so little. She was so, really, yeah, she's small. Yeah. She's, oh, I've, yeah. Uh, I imagined her being like really tall. Right. And... Yeah. But she has this statuesque aura, <laughs> this presence, yeah. you know, but she's, small yeah she's petite yeah I saw this documentary about her um that came out a few years ago when we could also go to theaters yeah yeah. (laughs) and I don't know you know I don't know her catalog that well but she she's just so always been so interesting to me so I was glad that I got to see that and you know just learn more about her she's such a fascinating human she's so interesting and just like everything she's into and you know, the fashion and the music and, and her approach to her art and, you know, her background and mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah, I love the way she always incorporates art and fashion into her yes. music. You know, yeah. I love I love the fact that she had her body painted when she was in her, what, 60s? Was 60s or 70s? Is she? Gotta be. The, the last thing she did, which was a few years ago, know. she had her body painted and she just oh, kind of wow. went on this, like, I was blown away because she still looks amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you've seen a lot, you know, you've worked with all of these people, you've been in the business for a long time. What is something that you've taken with you, you know, from gig to gig um, of all the lessons you've kind of learned? What's the bit of wisdom that you've taken with you? 
never say no. Mm. Never say no. If, if you are asked to do something that you are not sure you could do, you know, if you're uncomfortable with doing something because you're not sure, or if you're uncertain, you know, just do it. Don't say no. Like if I had said to Lou Reed, like some one other person in the room did because she wanted to get paid for it. She was, she was, you know, she was like, no, I'm, I won't do it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it because you never know what it's going to lead to. And you will surprise yourself when you're under the, under pressure to perform, even if you haven't done it before, you'll pull it out. You'll pull it out from somewhere and you'll be able to do it. And, um, you'll surprise yourself and you'll surprise people around you. And, you know, the, the person asking you might expect is they're, they're probably asking you because they think you've done it before, but you know, you haven't, you know, mm. and when, when, you know, it, it might be discovered later on that that was your first try at it or whatever, you know, and they, yeah. and they'd be like, Oh, wow, really? <laughs> I've had I've had that happen to me where people were like, oh wow, that was the first time you ever did that. Wow, okay, cool. You know, like mm. with guns, I had not done vocal arrangements before, and I that I was asked to do all the vocal arrangements, and I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And you know, I did it, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, they were really happy with it. So you never you never should cut your cut your opportunity off. You should mm. always, you should always take everything as an opportunity and don't say no. Mm. Well, you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> you can say no when it comes to other things. Right. <laughs> now. <laughs> but yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. Don't, cut your, don't cut your, don't cut your opportunities off. And um, you might, you might surprise yourself. And the worst that can happen is if you, if you try something and you fail, well, then you fail. But at least you know that you gave it your best shot, and you yeah. know. But it, it could lead to to so many other things, so many doors opening for mm. you. Never I that. love that. I love that because yeah. that could be your chance to make an impression, your only chance to exactly. make that impression. When would you be around that person again? You have no right. idea. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So. I know I've, I've talked to a lot of singers about this, like, you know, we've had all this downtime, almost a year <laughs> yeah. to yeah. kind of think about, you know, be off that hamster wheel and think about other things, you know, maybe how we would like to see our careers look or how we would like to, this kind of songs we'd like to sing or, or the future of us, mm -hmm. you know, working with bands or being that hired gun or moving on like as an artist or doing all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you kind of see for yourself moving forward? <laughs> well, <clears throat> you know, COVID has definitely given me uh, an opportunity to kind of back up and take a look at everything. You know, everything's pretty much laid out before me. And I'm, I, you know, when I was looking at it, I took a real good hard look in the mirror and I didn't like everything I saw. Mm -hmm. And so I'm taking the opportunity to, um, you know, do something that I've never really done before. I've always kind of just jumped into jobs. Jobs have either 
you know, just been thrown at me or, you know, they, they just happened so quickly that I didn't really take any time to do any branding or anything like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I'm just going to, I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to, to, to concentrate on that. Yeah. And, um, you know, just kind of try to revamp and, um, definitely been messing around with recording and writing. And, um, I have something that's coming out really soon. It's a single, um, and, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the process of developing the video right now. I have some of it recorded, but some of it, it still has to be recorded. So, you know, all those little details are, you know, being worked out. Nice. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's something that I, I think I'm going to do a lot more of that because I've been, you know, I, I've worked with so many people and I've worked as a background artist for so many years that I think it's time to kind of come out and, and do more, more solo stuff and concentrate more on, on me, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. I love that. I love it. <laughs> I love that. I think a lot of us are there, you know, and yeah. kind of have no choice, you know, uh, right. kind of in, in the midst of this. But I think if we weren't thinking that way, then it's just kind of like, well, you know, maybe I'm an artist in my own right. And I haven't really explored that and indulged that enough. Right. You know? um, so that's really awesome. Um, I guess my last question would be, what do you um, hope for, like the future of music after all of this? of touring, of, of concerts, of, you know, MDs, mm. all of it. Like, what, what would you like to see change? What do you hope wow. for it? Well, it's funny. I had this conversation just yesterday. I was talking to Nick mm. Waterhouse yesterday, oh, wow. and who's an amazing artist that I love to work with. I love him. Mm. Um, we were talking about the, the future of music yeah. and, um, I told him that I was really disappointed uh, right now because it feels like after, like say after the Northridge earthquake, instead of everybody like really kind of coming together and helping each other out, I remember going into a store to, to gather supplies and uh, the store owner was gouging all of the prices there was hardly anything left on the shelves but what was left you know bottles of water were like ten dollars for a bottle of water and it, you know i just and it it's it happened i i witnessed it happen happening during covid when mm. covid first started to really explode i remember looking for masks i didn't have any masks and i was freaking out i wanted a mask and um i remember going into a store and i paid fifteen dollars for for like a little paper mask. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was so offended and, and disappointed in, in human nature, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really feel like that's kind of happening in the music business right now. Mm. Like instead of, okay, venues make money off of artists. And instead of like helping artists out and, kind of working, you know, us working together. Now they're, they're charging way, way more 
to, you know, to do, like if you want to do a streaming show at a venue or something, they're charging phenomenal rates for you mm. to just be there because they're losing business, you know, because mm. they can't open to the public like they're like usual. They're trying to make, and I don't blame them. They're trying to make money in any way possible, but they're they're hurting the people that that are responsible for them making money. Mm. You know? So I feel like everybody's at this like cutthroat in this cutthroat um, mentality, you know, mm. and instead of helping each other, everybody's kind of fighting each other. And mm. I, 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 unfortunately, the pessimist in me sees that it's going to really make an impact on the music industry. You know, I think that I'm hoping that that this isn't true, but I, I feel like people are are kind of losing interest right now. Like when it, I saw the explosion of everybody doing these like videos on YouTube and everything in, in the beginning mm -hmm. of COVID and now everything's kind of slowed down a little bit. I'm not seeing it as much. I don't mm. feel it as much. And I feel like that there, there's been a shift and I feel mm. like maybe, you know, I don't know. I think there might, it might have an impact. I think the real music enthusiasts and the real music lovers mm -hmm. will probably come out harder and stronger than ever to mm. support music. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there's like Nick, Nick uh, brought up there, there might be a real separation between like, you know, how there's all these like TikTok, TikTok musicians and like all these like singing apps, everybody's doing <laughs> like singing apps, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be like a real separation between that, between, I guess, the, the boys and the men, you know, mm. like the TikTok audience is going to veer off and they're going to be there. It's going to explode into that, that thing. Mm. And then the musicians are, are going to have like true music enthusiasts, you know, like I mm. think when I was, I'm going to age myself now. But when I was little, when I was really young, um, the people that influenced me the most um, music-wise were these like total nerdy, like you've got to listen to this album. And they would like examine and study albums and, and yeah. they would really just like, just love it so much. They would rip it apart and analyze every little note, you know, and I think people now don't really appreciate music like that. And yeah. I think that it's coming back to that again. Mm. I think people are really going to start, you know, understanding music or wanting to understand music more. Mm. And it, it's going to mean more to them. Mm. Uh, but then I could be wrong. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, you know, I, I had that, that kind of, you know, we're in LA. We've, amoeba is is here and they haven't been open obviously but um i was thinking about that whole thing of i can't remember what i saw on on facebook today but i somebody was talking about like how music used to be consumed and i thought mm -hmm. about you know um looking at that the cd liner the mm. the, the cassette tape liner and like yeah. who's saying the, the album cover the yes the cover <laughs> i mean the pictures yes. just like you know, looking at it, like who sang backup? Where was this mm -hmm. recorded? Who wrote the song? Who was the engineer? Who yeah. are the songwriters? Like there's such a separation from all of that now. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, you know, I mean, you kind of have to do, 
you're digging to find out like right. who who did what and what the lyrics actually even are because you know the lyrics were usually inside of that too and you just mm -hmm. kind of study mm -hmm. everything oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. i don't know yeah it was a whole other thing it was a nice i really you know it was a nice thing it was a nice connection to the music it was just that whole it was a literal physical connection to it the whole intimate. thing it, it was, was intimate. intimate yes i remember yeah. like you know with the earphones and the, it, just laying in bed looking and studying doing you know exactly what you said yeah you, you know studying every single word in the album yeah. sleeve and all the pictures and and even though i had seen it a million times i was still mesmerized yeah. with it yeah. you know and it was just um i think that it's just too easy to download something and you you miss all that you just it's, yeah it's gone you know Definitely. The, the digital age remember remember the song video killed the radio star yes well <laughs> yeah so it's like you know um iTunes killed killed the rock star or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But you know yeah. Amazon and Spotify and iTunes and all all of those platforms have just really made it really easy for people to have music, which is an amazing thing. But I yeah. think that a lot so much is 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 passed over and missed. Yeah, for it's sure. Very unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. I think that about I'm I'm kind of wondering like what it's going to mean for, you know, playing gigging and playing live and like how the venues are going to, you know, how they're going to do things. I mean, you know, I I I feel like people may try to make an excuse about like trying to make up for lost whatever they lost, which I feel at this point is kind of impossible. You've either like, you know, you like you probably probably have to shut down mm -hmm. <laughs> as many have or, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of take your losses and and try to think of this in a new way so i just kind of wonder you know there's gonna i feel like there's gonna be people who um of course musicians are gonna be dying to play mm -hmm. you know the audience is dying to like eat that up people want to have that live experience and then i wonder about like the venues in all of that how generous they may be or you know like what they'll take into account as far as the fact that we still need to make money i know that they still need to make money right. you know just how we're going to be treated i've thought a lot about like how i've been treated by you know, venues, fans, MDs, whatever. And I've, you know, I've, I've given a lot of thought to what I will be doing and what I won't be doing anymore. Right. So, you know, it's all, it's all kind of up in the air, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to know at this point, but, you know, do you see any, um, do you feel like you see any, uh, have you any thoughts about like that? Like what might be on the horizon for us, I guess, as live performers well, kind of doing these? I, I, I honestly think, and I, and I, again, I don't want to sound like a complete pessimist, you know, yeah. but I'm, you know, I've, I'm addicted to, to um, reading and, and, and looking at interviews and uh, news stories about what's going on with the development of COVID. Yeah. You know, and the vaccines and, you know, I just, I feel like people are hoping that it's only going to be around for another few months but i i think realistically we're gonna it's gonna be around for the next year i think it's gonna be another year of this i think so and, you know yeah. i mean how could it not you know it just keeps going up and up so i feel like if we really want a future in in live performance you know the protocol to to actually be at the venues is is going to be a 
changed and it's going to be changed permanently, I feel. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, testing and everything and mask wearing and glove wearing is, is going to be an important part of it. And I also feel that it's not going to be, nobody's ever going to be to full capacity anymore. I just, I feel like, mm. you know, it, at least, at least in the near future, you know, when, when things start opening up, I don't think that it would be wise to have shoulder to shoulder, you know, crowds of people. Um, I don't think it's safe. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more streaming. I Mm. think that there's going to be a lot of empty venues who are doing live streaming. Um, um, Yeah. I just, I just can't see hordes of people, you know, going to concerts anymore. I, I know that as much as I miss it, I'm, I'm going to be really careful about where I play and, and, you know, and and I'm also going to be very careful about where I go to see live music. Yeah. Definitely not going to be in a, in a, in an arena anywhere, you know, going to see a, a massive concert. Yeah. I'm just not going to do that because, you know, it's too scary. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate because, I mean, this is, this is our livelihood and it's, it's more than our livelihood. This is our life, you know, but um, COVID has changed a lot of things. Mm. And I think yeah. a lot of, it, it's going to, it's going to take, I don't want to say it, but I, you know, I, I think it might, it, it might take a few years for us to get back to the point that we were, or it, we yeah. might not ever get to that point again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, please go. Yeah. No, I was going to say that already, I mean, businesses have completely changed, you know, like office, mm-hmm. office, the office space rentals mm-hmm. are like way down. And I don't think they're ever going to go up again because people are realizing that they could have their employees work from home and mm-hmm. be just as productive, you know? So, you know, life is, 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 has changed and will continue to change because of, mm. of this pandemic. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Unfortunate. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think there'll be some changes, you know, for the better, some for, mm. for the worse, <laughs> yeah. I guess it just remains to be seen, you know, but uh, definitely that, that um, I think that separation uh, or that middleman of, cause in all honesty, you know, there aren't a lot of great, venues who treat you well and i i've i've been doing my own online shows and i appreciate not having that middleman there Mm -hmm. um and uh you know i can play to friends on the east coast you know right (laughs) i just did it on a show so yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's uh you know that's a big you know kind of a big switch you know for me as an artist is and then there's people who i've known for a long time who've never even heard me sing and now have a chance to like do that you know Right. online because I'm right. you know I'm streaming these shows so it's a it's a big transformation but yeah. yeah it really is it really is yeah I might start doing that too I'm I've I've been I've been thinking about it I don't jump into anything very quickly <laughs> me either it was on my mind for a long time but do it it's fun just do it yeah. yes yeah. yeah. Oh, Roberta, this was so fun. Thank you for joining me and and sharing your story. So fascinating. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do talk. I do tend to go on. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, gosh, so so fascinating. But tell me where you can uh, where we can find you online. Oh, um, well, I'm at RobertaFreeman.com, so nice. you can always find me there. And um, yeah, just keep your eyes out because I'm 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 about to come out with a little thing, and I hope everybody likes it. Love so it. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm really, I thank you so much for having me on your show. You're welcome. <laughs> so glad we made it happen. Yeah. So. Such a pleasure speaking with you. <laughs> you too. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. So let's get into the singing lessons. You know, this week, I think the biggest lesson that I pulled from this conversation was when Roberta said, never say no. You never know what it's going to lead to. When you're under pressure to perform, you'll pull it out from somewhere and you'll be able to do it. Take everything as an opportunity and don't say no. I think that is such a huge lesson. Um, you know, I've definitely been in a place of yes this year. Last year was rough and um, I've had some rough years. And I think that, you know, this year I was just kind of about, you know, doing fun stuff and um, I've had some fun auditions and maybe they'll come to something. Uh, I got into roller skating, which was a lot of fun. And, um, I want to do more certainly when, uh, the rinks open up. It's, I think it's just easier to skate in a, in a roller rink. I mean, it's easier on your back. I, anyway, just a place of yes, especially for this year, as things start to open up again and just, you know, I've had so much time to reflect as I know that we all have yes, last year, was rough. And, um, you know, so just kind of moving forward, how do we want to like, how do we want to move forward and what things do we want in our lives and what don't we want in our lives, you know? Um, but coming from that place of openness, I think is one of the biggest things. And when I have been more open then my life just seems to expand, I'm more open-minded. And, um, of course you're not saying yes to weird stuff, obviously <laughs> nothing abusive, nothing, you know, demoralizing or anything like that. But, you know, coming from that place of yes, openness, you know, let me, this could be fun. This could be interesting. Just not making decisions in isolation as well. You know, I think a big thing for me, certainly being in quarantine, obviously I spent a lot of time with my husband, of course, thank goodness we get along. <laughs> um, but in so, sort of my personal self-worth work um, ha has been with, you know, self-worth, but also um, just not making decisions in isolation. You know, sometimes my, my thinking can be off, you know, or I just need more perspective and calling a few people that um, I respect and have possibly been through the same thing, you know, has made all the difference. And it's really serve to just kind of expand my life a bit, even, you know, in these times where we've got a quarantine, but it just opens up possibilities. I think when, when we do that, when we're more open and, and uh, maybe not putting our business out on the street, but definitely, you know, getting input and advice and why seeking wise counsel. So take that for what it's worth, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I think that's it. You know, follow me on the social medias. I am on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter. That's Sammy. He's the real star here. 
find past episodes at the working singer podcast.com and follow this podcast on Apple iTunes. I think they've changed it to follow. There's no longer any subscribe because I think people thought they had to pay um, by and large, which, you know, they don't. But uh, yes, follow me for free <laughs> on um, Apple Podcasts. It does help other people to find the podcast and um, moves the podcast up in the ranks and all of that loveliness. So I'm going to go have dinner with my husband, but I hope you guys are well. And um, I'm going to be putting out solo episodes as well and to mix in with uh, these interviews. So thank you for listening. Love you, appreciate you, and I will talk to you again next week.